Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is December 10th. Today is the last day of this week's Come Follow Me block. We're going to take a look at a few verses in Zechariah, and next week we're studying the entire book of Malachi, which sounds really intimidating, but Malachi is actually only four chapters long. But it's four amazing chapters, so we've got lots to study next week. But before we jump into finishing this week's Come Follow Me block, let's take a look at our scriptural advent for the day. This scripture is found in Moses chapter 4, verse 2, and it says, But behold, my beloved son, which was my beloved and chosen from the beginning, said unto me, Father, thy will be done, and the glory be thine forever. I love this scripture, and I love this attribute of the Savior that we can learn here. His complete trust and knowledge that in God's hands all things are possible, and all things will turn out right. That's a principle that I think that we need to make a point to remember more frequently. There's a picture that's gone around the internet for several years now, and it's a picture of a little kid standing in front of the Savior with a small teddy bear. And the kid is saying, oh, but I love it. And the Savior has a huge teddy bear behind his back. And he says, I know, but trust me. And sometimes we get so fixated on our own will and our own desire that we forget to trust the Lord. We forget to trust God and put all things in his hand, knowing that he can make more of us than we can. Listen to how President Benson said it. He said, Yes, men and women who turn their lives over to God will find that he can make a lot more out of their lives than they can. He will deepen their joys, expand their vision, quicken their minds, strengthen their muscles, lift their spirits, multiply their blessings, increase their opportunities, comfort their souls, raise up friends, and pour out peace. Whoever will lose his life to God will find he has eternal life. I have absolutely found this to be true in my life. When I turn it all over to God and trust him and follow him and allow him to guide my course, I found more joy, more meaning, more purpose, and far more fulfillment in all I do. And Christ was the perfect example of trusting the Father in all things and placing all things in his hands. Okay, so let's jump into the second half of the book of Zechariah. Now, if you'll remember when we started the book, I told you that the first half of the book were visions that Zechariah was going to have. Now, the second half of the book is messianic prophecy. Again, this prophecy probably comes by vision as well, but Zechariah is going to begin to prophesy about things that would happen in the Savior's life. And it's really fascinating. A lot of them are very, very specific. So let's take a look at some of these prophecies. What's interesting is that, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we begin the New Testament next year, but each of the gospel authors were writing to different audiences for different purposes, and they used different tactics. Matthew was writing to the Jews, and he was trying to show them how Christ was fulfilling the different prophecies that were given in the Old Testament. And Matthew, for this reason, because that was his purpose, quotes Zechariah quite a bit. He's constantly pointing out things that happened in the Savior's life that Zechariah had talked about. That's how poignant and specific these prophecies of Zechariah are. So the first one that I wanted to talk about is in chapter 9, verse 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy king cometh unto thee! He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fowl of an ass. So here, Zechariah is going to prophesy about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem that would begin the Savior's last week. 
Remember, as he rode into Jerusalem, he rode in on a donkey, and the people shouted and they rejoiced all around him. Another prophecy that we're going to see here in the same chapter is actually fulfilled in the Doctrine and Covenants. Listen to what it says and see if it sounds familiar from things that we learn in Doctrine and Covenants section 138. It says, As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of a pit wherein is no water. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even to the day do I declare, I will render double unto thee. So this is a prophecy of the Savior going to the spirit world and freeing people from spirit prison. Really cool prophecy that we see there. A cool prophecy about the gathering that would happen through Joseph, through Ephraim, is in Zechariah chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. It says, And I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them again to place them. For I have mercy upon them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them off. For I am the Lord their God, and will hear them. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their heart shall rejoice as though wine. Yea, their children shall see it, and be glad their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. I will hiss for them and gather them, for I have redeemed them, and they shall increase as they have increased. So just this beautiful prophecy about the gathering of the children of Israel through Ephraim and the tribe of Joseph. Another really, really specific prophecy that we see here is in chapter 11, verse 12. Listen to what it says. And I said unto them, if ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. This, of course, is a prophecy of the betrayal of Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver, which, not coincidentally, was the price of a slave at the time. Chapter 13 has one of the most beautiful messianic prophecies. Listen to what's said, starting verse 6, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. This is such a powerful, powerful prophecy and the imagery that we see there. First of all, someone asks, what are these wounds in your hands? And he says that these are the wounds that he received in the house of his friends. Now, I want you to imagine, I want you to think, have you ever felt betrayed by someone you considered a friend? Chances are, if you felt betrayed before, it was by someone that you considered a friend. We don't generally feel betrayed by our enemies. You have to have a close relationship, a close trust with someone for them to be able to betray you. Being betrayed by an enemy isn't much of a betrayal. It's more of an expectation, right? But that's what hurts so much about this betrayal. That's what hurts so much is that we consider someone a friend. We consider someone to be very close to us and to feel betrayed by someone that we love so much or that is so close to us is just heartrending. And so here the Savior is saying that these wounds that he received, he received not from his enemies, but in the house of his friends just shows the ultimate betrayal that he felt. And then it goes on to say that when you smite the shepherd, the sheep are scattered, but he makes the promise that his hand will be upon the little ones. That is such a beautiful promise. And then he goes on and listen to what said, verse nine, and I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried, 
and they shall call on my name, and I will hear them, and I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. Now, I love that he's talking about trying his people, bringing them through difficult things, bringing them through hard things, refining them like silver or gold. And yet, even in the midst of that trial and the midst of that refining, when he calls to the people and says, these are my people, true followers of him, even in the midst of the trial and of the hardship and the difficulty, true followers of Christ will still say, this is my Lord and God. The trial, the refinement, the difficulty doesn't make us turn our back on the Lord. It makes us turn more towards him. And I think that that's so important to realize. Elder Perkins recently taught, The work of God is to bring to pass our immortality and eternal life. But how can trials and suffering, especially suffering imposed by another person's sinful use of agency, ultimately advance God's work? The Lord told his covenant people, I have refined thee. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Whatever the cause of your sufferings, your loving Heavenly Father can direct them to refine your soul. Refined souls can bear others' burdens with true empathy and compassion. Refined souls who have come out of great tribulation are prepared to joyfully live in God's presence forever, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. My friends, I testify that turning to the Lord in times of trial is giving the Lord the opportunity to refine us through those trials, to change us, to make us more fit to live with Him and be with Him forever. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 